Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 38 for Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today, bud? I am. Uh, I'm good. Or I'm well. I'm not good. But I am doing well. All right. Uh, that's, that is both good to hear, and it, it is, it is well with my soul to hear it. See, there you All go. Right. That's the proper usage of those words. Um, you know what else is good, Dave? My new uh, Twitter feed? Uh, it is. Yeah. It is very good. <laughs> uh, this is, this has not, this isn't a star, because we're doing a weird thing with the stars today, but, um, I started reading Ziggy, like old Ziggy, and, uh. Like it's oldest Ziggy, oldest right? Ziggy. Like original Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ziggy. I started. I just started at OZ. Yeah, I just started at Comic One, and um, it's horrifying. It it's just like crushingly bleak, and uh, so I started a Twitter feed where I just recap in a sentence or two, like especially standout Ziggy comics. Uh, you can find it at uh, also Sprock Ziggy. A L S O S P R A C H Ziggy. So, if you want to get in on that comedy, uh, it's very good, especially if you want to be very sad. <laughs> <laughs> but like about a cartoon character, but yeah. also maybe about Tom Wilson, who is the dude who writes the strip. Uh, anyway, we will maybe we will talk about that a little more next week because um, it's it's very fresh. Uh, and so I want to give you a little time yeah, to sort of build up some more stuff to talk about. Let's bake on that one a little it. bit before we, before we turn it into a full-fledged star. Maybe next week we can do a recitation. Mm, um, I'll practice. But, but Dave, speaking of the stars, um, we have five of them this week, as always. There are five stars shining yep. in the heavens. What is our first star of the week? Well, so before I actually say what the stars of the week are, we just got off of our, uh, well, actually not just a, a week ago, we did our yearly friend con, and it was amazing. But what we didn't do while we were doing our friend con was record an episode of this show. So sorry, guys, but you guys got another episode of uh, Living That Spider Man. Living That Spider Man, right? Yeah. No, the Spider Man who loved the Spider Man who loved me. Uh, Living That. Yeah. Anyways, the Spider Man who loved me. That's much better. So, in a way, you're welcome. Um, yeah. But it's been a pretty crazy week, and so we haven't done a whole lot. So what we thought we would do is that the big kind of focus of this yearly con that we do with our friends, aside from just seeing our good friends and enjoying each other's company, is we play a bunch of board games. And so this is temporarily a mini board game podcast for yeah, a few well, minutes. Welcome, welcome to For Your Eyes O Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated both to Cherokee Sentai O Ranger and some games we play. Yeah, uh, so this is like a probably like a slightly less good version of another podcast that I don't listen to, but I'm sure exists. So here we go. Um, I like to keep people's expectations real low, Matt, so that way if we do stumble on some comedy gold in this segment, it'll just be it'll be a delight. You well, know. Dave, the, the the problem is I did just say that we were the best and only something, so you can't you can't counter that by saying that there's probably a better one out there. That contradicts both of the things I just well, no, said. No, 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 no. See, because the other podcast is only about board games, 
not about Choriki Sentai O-Ranger and board games. So we're ah, still okay. we're still in that. Uh, you know, so no one can take that away from us. Well, I guess somebody okay. could, but nobody I don't think is going to. I just um, wanted to make sure I wasn't perjuring myself. No, no, no. You're you're good. Um so the first thing, the first exciting thing is we've we've actually talked about this game before, uh, Samurai Spirit. You're a samurai you're basically playing through Seven Samurai, the Akira Kurosawa film, but you're also were beasts. Uh, so that's amazing. And I would play a role playing game set in that universe in a hot minute. Right. I mean, it's kind of exalted, and you would like to play that all the time anyway. Well, yeah. Well, that is a very good point. Yeah, you're basically Lunar Exalted, and Lunar Exalted are very cool. Um, But it is, man, it is just, like, devilishly hard. I have played that game a bunch of times, and we finally won it. It's a cooperative game. a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, like, not, like, playing constantly or anything. But yeah, we played this game a bunch of times, and it's a cooperative game that you are playing, like you and your friends are playing against the game. Uh, it's like set up in such a way that it has like an automated process, and you're going to try to go through it. And we've never won before; we finally won, and it felt it felt very, very good. That game is very hard. Yeah. So and it's uh, always it, it, was, it felt especially good because the way the game plays out is like you have seven people around the board playing. One person plays each samurai. So when you finally do win, uh, the feeling of collaboration in that is super good. Yeah, it's excellent. If you, it's a very very good game. It's called Samurai Spirit. You should get it. So our first star of the week, Matt, is a game called uh, Time Stories, which is actually a game that I got for you for Christmas, which I think we talked about. And it was mostly a present for you, but it was also a little bit of present for me because right. I well, you, very much wanted to play it. Right. You knew that I was going to play it with you. Yeah. So here is the deal with... Well, it's your game, Matt. Do you want to... Uh... Well, I mean, we, bo- we both played oh, it yeah, together. So, so the, the idea of the game is that you are, you are from like an agency in the future and you're... I think there's actually a TV show loosely based around a similar premise. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there is. I don't remember what it's called, though. Yeah, like people's consciousness gets sort of quantum leaped into the past. Oh, yeah, man. The name of the show, that's it. It's Quantum Leap. No, I mean, there's there's a different non-Quantum Leap show of this premise. No, I do. Yeah. Uh, Um, Yeah, so that is the... This is another... It's a cooperative game. You together are playing against the game. And... The game itself is basically a very elaborate choose-your-own-adventure book. Yes. I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah, it's played out in the course of a deck of cards. Some of the cards have, like, clues on them. But mostly the way that it works is you sort of line up a few cards next to each other, and the images sort of... The images on those cards line up to sort of show you a room. Yeah. And then you explore that room by flipping over those cards one at a time um it's and as you're doing that you're trying to get the clues together to solve like the big mystery but the thing is that you only have like a set number of moves that you can make before you run out of like time time energy is what they call it yeah and you get like shunted back to the future right and then you get to try it again but it starts you back at the very beginning, but you have the knowledge from the day before. So, so it's a combination of, like, murder mystery, like, Resident Evil riddle stuff, plus Quantum Leap, plus Groundhog Day yeah, in a board game. That's a very good way to describe it. Um, yeah, it was super, super cool. Something that we discovered sort of uh, at the very end of this game 
is that you can definitely lose. Yes, eventually, if you if it sends you through the game enough times and you make a sort of colossally bad mistake right at the end. Well, don't say don't say too much, but yes. Yes, uh, it, it, it can break bad for you, uh, but that does not stop it from being super fun. It was a no, great no, no. time. In, in fact, I think it really adds to the fun. I really like it's a cooperative game. You know, you can lose it because you know, a lot of the times I feel like when you're doing a cooperative game, it's like eh, you could lose if you like boof it. Well, I mean, we did just talk about how uh, Samurai Spirit beat us for like five years running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. But there are other games where like the thing I think about Samurai Spirit that's very it's a little bit different, and the pandemic I feel the same way about is that you can you can do everything kind of as right as you could do it, and this is particularly true of pandemic, and still just lose. Like when you when we lost in Time Stories, it was like ooh. Yep, no, we just, there was no random, there was basically no random element in that game aside from some dice rolls. Like, we just made the wrong decision, and we lost. And even though we lost, it it was really fun, and it was still a very satisfying experience. And there's a ton of expansions for it, so. Yeah, the, the way the expansions work is, like, once you solve the riddle, like, you can play the game again, but there's kind of not a reason to, I, because. Yeah, you could, like, speed run it, I guess. Like, right. See but, how fast you can get through it, but. What they do is, since the game plays out through these decks of cards, they have expansion things that are just a different deck of cards that take you through an entirely different mystery. Yeah, so we're very much looking forward to doing that. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Dave, our second star of the week is a game that uh, I... A, a game franchise that I had not thought about in, I don't know, a decade? Uh, and this is Ninja Burger. Yeah! I have the original, like, they're upstairs on my board game thing, the original, like, sort of tabletop RPG Ninja Burger. But, and, Which like, was not bad. It was, a, it was a very simple game, but, like, pure in its uh, simplicity. No, it was, like, yeah, well, okay, I was about to say that exact same thing. But, yeah, it was a fairly straightforward, it was a little RPG, and it wasn't meant to be played for, like, you know an epic campaign of six years, but you could play it like a few times with the same characters yeah. over the course it, of, I don't know, a month or something. Yeah. It was largely designed for one shots. And I think the, and the idea of the game is that you are like, you play a ninja, you work in a place called Ninja Burger where you like use your ninja skills to stealthily deliver meals to people. Yes, that is exactly what it is. So in it, in addition to like the original, uh, role playing game, there is a new, like, Steve Jackson... I don't know how new it is, but there is a Steve Jackson Ninja Burger-like card game. Yeah, and it sort of combines the sort of original ethos of the tabletop with a kind of Munchkin-style uh, gameplay. Yeah, I was actually going to say, it. it's a Steve Jackson game. Um, it, it, uh, it feels a lot like Munchkin. Uh which but is you, yeah, which is not a bad game. And yeah, like, that's not if a you, bad thing. If you it's, like Munchkin but are kind of sick of Munchkin, this is a nice way to enjoy a similar game with like kind of a twist on it. Yeah, and it it does suffer from kind of the same. Uh, it has some of the same. It has a lot of the same fun of Munchkin and like other Steve Jackson games, but it also has the same foibles. Which is, everybody's kind of playing, and then one person starts to pull ahead, and then everybody uses all of their abilities possible to, like, crush that one person and stop them from winning. 
until you can't stop someone until like you can't stop them from winning anymore. And then probably somebody else wins because like they yes. snuck up and that's kind of how the game plays out. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was very funny. Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Matt, is a game that was invented by our pal Aaron Eller, and he he has created this game. It's a second. I didn't play the first game he made, and uh, as I understand it, game would be like a very loose interpretation of that experience. Yeah, uh, Aaron listens to the show. He'll probably get to this episode in about a year. Um, and but I think he would be the first to admit that the first game he created, Bureau Crazy, the work game, is not what we would call. I mean, it is kind of a game because there were rules and cards, <laughs> but it was not like uh, a real sort of fun adventure in uh, board gaming. And I think that he took that experience and learned a lot from it, and he made a new game uh, that I watched you play, but I was playing a different game uh, that was very cool that I don't even know if we're going to have time to talk about this week, called Azul. Uh, that was also good. But Dave, tell me about this game. So this game is called Blanket Fort Battles, and the idea of the game, it's a... It's again, it's a cooperative game where you, well, it's like three players and then one player is like the GM, kind of, and it's a, it's a miniatures war game, but the conceit of it is that you are a kid hanging out in your basement because your parents are having an adult dinner party upstairs, and so you and your cousins are down in the basement, and you are playing Blanket Fort Battles. And you, there are, like, monsters as represented by, like, the, your older sibling, like, messing with you and pretending to be the monster. And all of the equipment is just toys that Aaron's actual children have down in the basement. So there's, like, weapons equipment, which is, like, two plastic medieval swords and, like, a toy lightsaber and a nerf blaster and all this <laughs> other stuff. And so as a character, you get, like, a weapon, a mode of transportation... So uh, my character had two Frisbees that I could throw, and uh, I could, like, teleport between Frisbees by jumping. And okay. uh, our buddy Cody had a boat that you could only travel on, like, water blankets. Sure. And then Brian, I think, had roller skates, which was, like, he could move really far, but only in a straight line. And he had to roll the D6 every round to see if he fell over, in which case fair. he only got to totally move one square. Fair. Yeah. And then, so you have a weapon, and then you have a mode of transportation, and then you have a uh, disguise. So my disguise was uh, Viking Viking engineer. I'm not really sure how those things got combined. There's like Viking engineer, pirate captain, uh, kindly doctor, cat girl, and a couple other ones. And then those all kind of give you like a class. And then you also had one miscellaneous item. And you just had to fight like, little goblins and elves and stuff. And uh, you don't have hit points, which is great. You just have fear tokens, which is like, if you get a little too spooked by your older brother, you have to like run back to the blanket fort that's in the middle of the, in the middle of the board. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So little kids aren't like getting hurt. That's nice. And yeah. And that so would be you, a, that would be a weird game. <laughs> that, yeah. That would be uh, uncomfortable. And yeah. So it's just, I mean, it was his first like go around. Like we were the the very very first beta. T- is there a version before beta testing? If there's a version uh, before alpha? beta testing, alpha testing. We were the alpha testers on this game, and so you know, like it was very rough around the edges. But it was a really fun idea. Like if I I would not be surprised 
if I saw a game in a game store that was that was that conceit and it was basically that exact same game just kind of polished up, uh, I think it would look really fun and I would probably buy it if I had money to buy it. So yeah, so that's what we did. That was our fourth game. Uh, what, Matt, was our fifth star of the week? Uh, fifth star of the week. Uh, Dave, I will give you dealer's choice on this. Do you want one last board game or do you want me to switch it up and tell you about a video game I've been playing? Uh, Matt, let's sw- let's switch it up. Tell me about this video game. Okay, uh, this video game is something that I got for free on like Games with Gold like three months ago and had never gotten around to playing. Uh, it is called The Witness, and it is like a super pleasant game to sit down and play while listening to an audiobook or a podcast. Well, that's, that sounds ideal so, for you, yeah. Here's how it works. There's very little background music and almost no, like, there's no speech in the game. It's just this like, lovely island, like this lovely, colorful island with a bunch of different biomes that you wander around. Okay, Um, I'm intrigued so far. Yes, and as you go through these areas, you run into these sets of puzzles. And all the puzzles work on the same general rule, which is that, uh, Dave, do you remember the game Flow? Like the iOS game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Flow. We've talked about Flow. How maybe, like, the world's... Greatest flow player? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, by the way, there is a Flow Hexes game and a Flow Warps game that I just recently uh, checked out. Yeah, I played anyway. Flow Hexes. It was not... Like, I get it. He- yeah. Anyway. Hexes was not as fun as Squares. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the way that this game works is you have these sort of grids and you need to draw a line through the grid from like point A to point B. But the there are various like qualifying rules for the different grid puzzles. So, like, in some of them, you need to, like, group different, like, colored blocks together. And in some, you need to separate colored blocks. And in some, you need to, like, hit a couple of specific points on the line that you're creating. And in some, you need to do all of that, but make, like, one mistake that is then counteracted by, like, the mis- like the mistake-reversing marker. But if you don't make any mistakes, then the mistake-reversing marker becomes a mistake in and of itself. Um, Man, I'm pretty in love know. with. I'll be. I'm pretty in love with everything you're saying. This all sounds very, very good. Yeah, yeah. So it's just you know you do one, and that sort of like transfers electricity into the next one, and then you just go to the next one and you do that. In some of them, you have to like line up shadows that are being thrown by like the trees behind you to show you which places you can and cannot draw the line what yes that sounds super very very good now if you are going to play the witness here is what i recommend absolutely do it it's tons of fun also don't feel bad if you have to cheat because sometimes this game is like like it's very clever and it makes you feel very smart when you get it but sometimes like i just hit a wall and i know like i can just look up the solution to this uh, or I can bash my head into it for an hour, and I would rather move on to the other things that are fun in this game. Oh, yeah, 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 dude. Video games aren't chores. Uh, as soon yeah. as something stops being fun, I stop. I mean, I don't really play it. I just stop doing it. That's not... I've got enough things in my life that are work. I don't need extra work. Yeah, but this is a really great just sort of like... I don't want to say it's mindless, because you. it really is a sort of like clever puzzle solve game 
But it's, you know, you're not going through, like, a full story or whatever. It's not twitchy. You never die. You just, if you mess up the puzzle, you need to try again on the puzzle. And then eventually you beat the puzzle and you move on. It's super great. (laughs) And just very lovely to look at. Man, that sounds, yeah, that sounds very, very cool. Uh, Yeah, anyway, so those, then, are the five stars, Dave. So we are going to take a break. We are going to uh, watch episode 38 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger. It is called... It's tough being imagined, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 38 of uh, O-Ranger. Uh, Dave, do you want to get us rolling on this? Yeah, um, okay, so it's always a little bit weird because it is a, it's the, it's the back half of a two-parter. Yes. So the normal pacing that we would expect to see in an episode is kind of off. Like, it just literally... It always throws me off, actually, because you're watching, like, the recap of last week's episode. Yeah, and the recap just becomes the new episode. Yeah, like, they're just, they're like, here's the last 30 seconds of the scene, and you're like, of, like, the last couple of scenes, and you're like, oh, okay, like, I'm watching, and you're waiting for a break, and then there isn't one, and just new things start happening. Right. And then so my notes... Trying to find the part of the episode where it's like, okay, this is the recap and now this is the show. There's always at least like a 10 to 15 second gap of like, wait, have I seen this footage before? Yeah. (laughs) Especially because like, you know, they do reuse a lot of footage. So it's possible that in a new episode you are watching old footage. And so when you're coming at it from this angle, it's doubly confusing. Yeah. Um, But what happens is, so... Yeah, so just what happens is that Gunmagin blasts uh, Bomber the Great. Like, uh, Gunmagin, like, just super eye blasts Bomber the Great. Um, yeah, because but... if, if you will recall from last week, Bomber the Great was trying to steal the key that was sort of like the the magic lamp. Like, I guess Gunmagin himself is the magic lamp, and this is the key yeah, that opens both, the like, magic the lamp. Yeah, he's the genie and the lamp, and the key is part of the... I don't know, man. The key is part of it. Gunmagin's whole deal is very, very weird. Man, especially by the end of this episode, it's going to get even weirder. It does get even stranger. But yeah, like, Gunmagin... I I may have mentioned this last week. Gunmagin doesn't so much, like, grant wishes so much as he's a very powerful being who is very, very bored and is looking for things to do. Yes. who Who is, like, very open to suggestion. I mean, listen, the last time anyone saw him was, what, 600 million years ago? Like, that, I think, is, like, Ricky knew that he arrived then, and maybe he's popped up once or twice between now and then, but, like, if, like, imagine rolling into a, like, a group of people that you haven't seen in a while, or, like, showing up at a place where you used to hang out, and then all the new, like, all the old people are gone, and they're a bunch of new people, you're like, oh, I do want to hang out with everyone who's here, but I don't know what you people do here anymore. Like, what's what's the scene? What's going what's on? Like, what's do good we, here? Yeah, like, do we still giant? We still giant robots? That's our. Is that what okay, we're doing cool. now? No, I mean, man, hey, I'm down. Sure, that sounds if that's, great. If that's what we're doing Which, now, I'll steal a giant robot or two. Point me <laughs> so, at it. <laughs> so yeah, so he is still. That's it's kind of what he's trying to do. It does not kind of anything. He's just doing it. So Gunmagin, I blast Bomber the Great. Um, but Barra Police gets back in the fight. Okay, so, uh, and then Ricky shows up, and yeah. Ricky shows up, and he's in King Pyramid, and he attacks Gunmagin, 
Which does nothing. Like no, it, it goes very care. badly for him. Yeah, at all. Well, because um, what what happens is uh, he tries to attack Gunmajin with like the like the pyramid laser, but Gunmajin just turns around and his back is an impregnable shield, so the laser just bounces off. We don't see where this laser lands; it just goes off like like into direction? the horizon. So somewhere, like three towns away, some building just exploded. Yes, yeah, so nobody in a, knows a why. A lot of trouble. <laughs> um, so but but in all of this confusion bomber the great does get the key like he manages to get it off of uh satoru and he's like hey gun imagine i got the key and gun imagine just says like oh ah, ugh. oh oh boy Dang. oh yeah, gosh what a, what a pickle i'm in now <laughs> this is a bad well, situation I just, well i I okay. I guess I guess you've got the key, and so he just stops. He just stops, and he just shrinks down, and and Bomber the Great picks him up. Um, so Bomber the Great just sort of grabs him like a football and runs. Yeah, and uh, and the Rangers. So we we see the Rangers, and I think are they back at the base at this point? No, they're still just hanging out in the park. Oh, that's right. They're just looking at yeah, and they're super irritated with Gunmagin. Yeah, and very it's reasonably so. Totally reasonably. Uh, Shohei does some great face acting in this episode. Like, Shohei's facial expressions in this episode, because I feel like, I mean, listen, we are almost 40 episodes into this show. I am comfortable saying that we have not yet and will never get a lot of good characterization for most of the heroes in this show. Like, that's apparently just not yeah, what was no, important I think if we to were gonna... a ranger. If we were going to get it, we were going to get it. You know, I think there is a way, Matt. Not that I regret having done it the way we did it. I think there is a degree to which we may have done ourselves uh, an inadvertent disservice by starting out with Die Ranger and Jetman, which seem to be, at least as far as our experience goes, like, re- we knew this about Jetman to begin with, like, real, real highlights of the series. Like, yeah, okay. oh, yeah. yeah. Dang, I'm, dude. Like, those two. That is potentially true, Dave. But if, I mean, if we didn't, we weren't going to start with a bad one. Because if we were watching a bad one, we wouldn't have wanted to do a podcast about it. Well, yeah. No, that's a good. Well, Matt, listen. You, you say that, but Matt and Michael are in, like, 400 episodes deep or something. I have no idea how many episodes of Power Rangers this guy oh, have yeah, watched. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, Morphin Grid is even further. Like, uh, Ranger Danger, I think, is now just hitting in space. And uh, uh, Morphin Grid is halfway through Lightspeed Rescue. Holy cats. Yeah, so, you know, you say that, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, so that is that is true. But, like, Anyways, okay, no, no, no. I, I guess so what I mean is... is Shohei does kill it this episode. He's yeah, cool. like, we, we may never find out anything about Shohei and his life. But the guy who plays Shohei puts in a lot of work on the like facial expression acting to yeah no he does to, the to make up for man. it. Um, so <laughs> Rangers are just very upset. So first they're upset, and then they realize they're like, ooh, oh yeah, well mm, we are a, like, let's take a step back. This is very very bad. Like this yeah. could be this could be real trouble for us. Because we've clearly demonstrated Gunmagin is crazy powerful. Yeah. And they know, like, listen, we, like, our next move, our kind of our only move at this point is we need to try to recover the key. 
this never happens in the course of this episode, but at least it was a good plan. While they are talking about this, um, gosh, it's been a week. Satoru? Yeah, Satoru. Yeah, Satoru, like, they're still in the park, and they're talking about how, like, terrible everything is and how the world might end. And Yuji looks over and sees Satoru just sort of, like, glumly throwing rocks into a pond. And he's like, oh, no. Like, we cannot have, like, we can't have this conversation next to Satoru because Satoru really feels like all of this is his fault. And so. I mean, 100%. I mean, okay. Okay, I no. Know that I would say this, this, this is fault. This is Gun Machine's fault. Like, all yeah. of this goes back to the fact that Gun Machine is, like, like an omnipotent idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sadaru is, like, the prime, the prime mover behind all of this. Like, yeah. he is... He is the snowflake that began the avalanche. Yeah, so Yuji, to his credit, looks over at Satoru and is like, oh, okay, like, you guys continue to have this conversation about how to save the world. I need to go comfort this, like, grieving child. Yeah, and then the rangers are like, oh, yeah, no, that's, we should all very much be doing that. So yeah, they and go it's cool. Over and they're like, yeah. listen, Satoru, it's, like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> like the old rangers will never give up. This will totally work out for the best. Don't worry. Right, like, Everything's cool. <laughs> like, we get it. It is a very cool, very giant robot. Like, we totally understand why you would want to ride in it. Uh, it's okay. Like, it's it's fine. You're a very little boy. Don't sweat it. The All is well. This. So, um, we go from there over to what I initially thought was the moon, but is, in fact, just, just a janky warehouse. Oh, yeah, because Bomber the Great cannot wait to uh, get Gun Machine in the game. Yeah, there's a very excellent moment where he's doing, like, some victory spins. Like, he's just, like, spinning around in a circle, and he gets dizzy and falls over. And I assume that he was supposed to happen, but it would also be very funny if the suit actor just lost their balance in that giant, ridiculous suit. So, um... He he gets the key and he's like he summons Gun Magin and Gun Magin just immediately shows up and he's he's huge and uh, right. and he uh, sees Bomber the Great Bom- and he's like Bomber the Great by the way I don't know why Bomber the Great went inside a warehouse to do this because the only thing he accomplishes by doing so is when he summons Gun Magin and like puts in the key and opens him up. Gun Machine immediately grows to such a height that he destroys the warehouse. My only thought is that uh, Bomber the Great wanted a skylight in this warehouse anyways and thought he would kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I mean, I guess what he's about to ask Gun Machine to do is to destroy the city. So I guess he's just so trying to get a head start. start. With, yeah. Well, really... So, okay, so what he does is... Um, it, yeah, Gun Machine immediately cops... Bomber the Great, and he's like, oh, it's great, it's you. He's like, well, fine, like, what's your wish? What do you want? And he's like, just just get out there and get crazy. Just yeah. imagine all I want, my wish is for you to just, just really kind of go nuts and just destroy everything and just kind of conquer Earth. That would be great. Yeah. And Gun Imagine says, no, I will not do that. Yeah, this seems bad. This is a very bad wish, and it's very boring. I think what he actually says is this doesn't amuse me. Yeah, it's something like that, which is like, Gunmajin, you, the rule, your wish-granting rules are bananas. <laughs> they, make, they make absolutely no sense. 
Isaac like what, once you have accepted it, you must complete it upon like pain of death. But if somebody asks you something and you don't want to do it, you could just nope out of it. Yeah, he can he can just dip and for no other reason than I don't find it amusing. Not even like this violates some rule or like a moral code. Right, there's that no I ruling have. body. Gun machine does not right. answer to anyone. It is literally just like that sounds boring, and so I'm not going to do it. Um, so now, now what I do realize all of a sudden though, is that Bomber the Great is missing an opportunity because even if Gunmagin won't do that, whenever Gunmagin gets summoned, he just gets giant immediately. So it would be time consuming, but what he could do is just sneak into a bunch <laughs> of basements and just summon Gunmagin. And then, yeah. Um, so anyways. Well, no, because we, we find out here because Gunmagin is like, no, 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 no. I'm not into it. And then Gunmagin shrinks. Right. Yeah. So he shrinks and, and then, he just goes back into his thing. And right. then so all Bomber the Great would have to do is take a little football sized Gunmagin into the basement of the building, summon him. He would get giant and destroy the building. And then he would be like, oh, it's you again. And then he would well, just no, shrink. Because I think Gun Machine... Or I'm sorry. I think Bomber the Great tries to like reopen Gun Machine. And oh, he's that's fiddling right. with he the key does. and it won't open. And it's like, he is fiddling with that key. Like me trying to get into my old apartment where like the lock was just always kind of broken. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, and just and so, like, desperately rattling the key and just like, please, please open, please. This is the only thing I need right now. So Gunmagin does have some ability to like recognize what is happening and decide that he will not, that he won't pop out. Okay, right, I, again, I all of this that. is up to Gunmagin. He is acting completely independently and is just kind of terrible. So while he's doing that, uh, Bulldog kind of sneaks up and like blasts him and steals the key. Yeah, which he steals I, the key and he steals gun magic. Which I do kind of love because we forget because Bulldog is a terrible terrible child. We forget that Bulldog is also like basically a mini Bacchus Wrath, right? Yeah, he is theoretically very powerful. And we never see it until kind of right now. Like he has been biding his time. He zaps Bomb the Great. He swoops up, grabs the key, grabs uh Gun machine and just dips back to the moon. Yeah. So uh, now we are back on the moon, which is, yeah. So we're back on the moon, and uh, apparently Ancha and Kocha are back. Like, they're walking up, they're like, oh, Prince Bulldog, like, you're so great. Like, what a great job you did. I, I love how, like, awful they are in this. Just, like, just the, like, just the crappiest employees. I no, I really dig Acha. And to be totally honest, I feel like Acha and Kocha have a lot more personality than basically anybody in the Baranoia Empire, except maybe Bacchus Wrath. Yeah. Now their character is like, like, like slimy and servile. Yeah, and, like and slimy very, and obsequious, but like in a way that like works on the show. Well, it works on the show, and it's a and it's a character. Yeah, like you say. He is a slimy, obsequious greaseball, but it's fun. Like, it works in the show, and I think it's especially fun, uh, the dynamic between, like, Bomber the Great and the Baranoia Royal Family and all this stuff. So he shows up, and then Hysteria says, like, oh, no. Oh, no, you don't. You're terrible, 
and you like don't talk to me or my son ever again and just starts like beating on him with her fan uh and stuff <laughs> and i told coach like oh no we don't know like we're good like we were just spying on bomber the great for you and like they'll just, cool it's cool like they will just do literally anything and i love it um so they all they they kind of go to an, an outskirt of the moon i guess wise they always go outside yeah, and Bulldog summons Gunmagin, and Gunmagin like gets he shows up and then he shrinks again. I think he shrinks again. Um, and oh no, he's, he rem- he remains giant throughout the scene. Oh, okay, thank you. And so he says, "Hmm, you look very suspicious. Like I like I'm not totally sure what's going on, but this all looks this all looks very bad." Well, what's crazy is that what he says is. Hey, you're a robot. And that last guy who tried to use me was also a robot. So I don't trust you robots. But Gunmajin, you also are a robot, my buddy. He, uh, you know, he might be. He might be a ro- He looks like a robot, but he could also very much just be... Like Ninja Man also kind of looked like a robot. And he wasn't a robot. That's true, um, probably. This could just be like some weird robo armor or something that that he has um so anyways bulldog says oh no like yes i am a robot but ultimately in my heart what i am is a little boy like just the saddest little boy and all that i would like is to ride an o-blocker and good imagine says that's very suspicious like i did already try and do that once for another little boy and that that worked out very, very poorly. Like that is that is not good. Um, so, <laughs> so he even says he's like, "Are you trying to trick me? Is this a trick? Are you just doing this so that I will that I will steal O Blocker for you?" And Bulldog, first of all, hysteria is like off stage doing like pageant mom directions, being so, like, "Like Bulldog, you need to cry. He'll only believe you if you cry." So this is where this plan gets. Uh, incredible, beautiful, uh, glorious, maybe? I don't know. I think you could come up with a lot of adjectives that would work. All, all of them good and praiseworthy. Yeah, so Gunmagin is looking down at Bulldog. Like we said, he, he's like, mm, this seems very suspicious. Bulldog starts crying real tears. Like, yes. Out of his robot face, real water tears... Gunmagin sees this and is just like, well, if you're crying, surely, surely you must be telling the truth. We see behind Bulldog, and there is a tube running from the back of his leg out behind a rock. Uh-huh. And Ancha and Kocha are standing there with like an old timey bicycle pump. And they are pumping tears through a tube like out of Bulldog's face. Because he's a robot and he can do that. I, I really love that what this means is that, like, they, obviously they rigged this up in a jiffy, but Bulldog must already have been wired for this, right? Like, they couldn't have taken a moment to, like, install tear ducts in him. But, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know how modular paranoia robots are. Those like guys a, could be... like a weird Mr. Potato Head putting your crying just, eyes. Yeah, like, I don't know, dude. Maybe. Um, but anyways, so... <laughs> Good Imagine is like, well, 
Okay, then. Well, like, Gunmajin, like, gonna... when, when faced with a crying child, Gunmajin does the only thing reasonable, which is to do everything in his power to stop that child from crying. Yeah, that is a that is a true. I mean, I thing. get it. This is he yeah. makes a bad call here, but I do understand. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely understand where Gunmagin is coming from in this. So we see the O Rangers, and they're in their base, and there's like some alarms going off, and they go over and they look at these tele- TV screens, and what they see is Gunmagin calling for O Blocker, and they all look at each other. And they don't say it, but you can just see in their eye, like they just look at each other and with their eyes say, "Oh, what the hell!" Like, yeah, what? Come on, what? man! Come on, dude! Uh, <laughs> and one of them is like, "I cannot believe that he fell for their lies." Yeah. So, but here's the thing: they like they've dealt with Gunmajin for a minute now, and they like they're starting to get a little insight into Gunmajin's. Uh, lack of a thought process mm-hmm. and they say like okay well he doesn't know that he's being tricked right and also we can't beat him like he's like we've demonstrated that he is definitely way tougher than we are yeah and and they're sort of in a in a bad place here right because what he's saying is like oh come and bring o blocker out to me and surrender it to me um, and they're like, well, we can't go fight him, because if we get an O-Blocker to go fight him, then he's going to just take it, because he's yeah. tougher than us. But we need to do something, because he's just, like, potentially going to destroy the city. Now, at no point in this conversation does anyone bring up the fact that they have another giant robot. I It does feel weird. It seems like they've completely forgotten just like, like, O-Blocker is, like, four episodes old at this point. Right, but, like, O-Ranger Robo is gone. So, we see Gunmajin, and he's just kind of tromp... He's not actually doing much. He's just sort of tromping around the city because, like, he doesn't have to do much. He's just he's just kind of hoping that they bring O-Blocker out. Because he doesn't... Like, I love Gunmajin because he's super, super powerful, but it's only in, like, one specific vector. He has no capacity... To find O Blocker. Like, he doesn't know where it is. Right. All but he if, can but do... if it shows up, he can zap it with his sword. Yeah. So he's just trying to tromping around the city. Uh, Ricky decides to get involved and he's like, Gunmagin, I will defeat you. Except he's a 14 year old boy. And so he, he drives King Pyramiter up and King Pyramiter does like a super energy blast. Gunmagin just like. It's extra good when Gunmajin deflects an attack because he deflects it. Like he said, uh, his cloak is like an impenetrable shield. So he just turns his back on an attack and it bounces off. But it does give him a very cool uh, move. It's just like, because you attack him and he just turns his back to you and right. doesn't care. Like not only all. does he survive, he does it dismissively. Yeah. So he does not care at all. And at this point, Satoru arrives. And so, like he makes his way through the rubble and chaos of the city, and he uses his tiny little boy voice, and he yells, and somehow Gunmajin hears him over like crumbling buildings and his own gi- gigantic feet and King Pyramid's energy blasts and everything. He hears Satoru, and Satoru says, "Gunmajin, like you, you have to stop. Like, please do not do this. I don't even want to ride an O blocker anymore." 
And, and Gunvention's yeah, like, ooh, no, that's a great, I'm really glad that you got that sorted out, and you were a very good master. Yeah, but uh, don't worry, nothing bad is going to happen. The kid cried, and so I know that he was being honest, and so I just need to put him in there, and everything is going to be cool. So, we're good, everything's chill, just hang there for a minute. Just chill, I do need to get, I very, very much do need to get O-Blocker, though, because I have to. Uh, so he just, he unleashes a new power, which is he can, he just like points his sword at King Pyramiter and uses telekinesis to flip it upside down. Uh, actually, I think a- that was the first power he's, we saw him do. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Um, is it first sword? Anyways. Yeah. It's the first sword uh, he, technique. Yeah. So he, he flips King Pyramiter upside down and he's sort of shaking it around and he's like, do you do need to give me O blocker? Like I really... I would prefer not to do any of this, but you do need to give me O-Blocker, and if you don't, like, you just have to. And so once they... Okay, I have a small problem with what's about to happen here. Because once they decide, like, oh, we need to deploy O... Oh, he starts doing a countdown. This is really important. He says, you have 10 seconds to get me O-Blocker. And he starts doing a countdown. And the Rangers go from in their base to mm-hmm. fully transformed in O-Blocker out the cannon and landing where Gunmagin is by the time he hits three. Yeah. Which would be fine. I don't see any trouble. It wouldn't be fine. That's ridiculous. But it would be fine, except that we have previously established with O-Blocker specifically that it takes way longer to do that stuff. Like and when O Block, do you remember this? Like when O Blocker first showed up, there was like this 30 second bomb time, or there was this bomb timer that was going. And we're like, oh, this is great. We actually have, we're seeing how much time all of this stuff takes. Well, yeah, but that was the first week they had O Blocker. They've had a little time to practice with him now, so they've really got it down to a science. So they've really, okay, so they've really, just really shaved it down. To less than 10 seconds. Yeah, the thing is, Dave, that when we're not watching the characters do this stuff, they're still working. And what they're doing right now specifically is just like 24-7 running speedrun tactics on like getting O-Blocker into the field. They're doing time trials, Dave. You know what? Yeah, awesome. Yes, that's fantastic. (laughs) That's, um, so they do, and so, and... They land O-Blocker in seven seven seconds is how long it takes them to do that very complicated thing. So so they arrive and they like they square up to fight and Gunmagin, at first he's very excited. He's like, oh great. Oh no. You're not just gonna give me O-Blocker, are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and O-Blocker does, he summons his sword, like his twin swords, and I think he has the coolest like sword summon because he just sort of holds his fists out and then there's like uh, animated light flashes that sort of coalesce into these twin swords. It looks real, real neat. It is extremely good. Uh, and and while he's doing this, Goro is talking to Gunmajin. He's like, my dude, like you have been tricked by an evil robot from space. It is like, do not listen to this child. We are trying to stop you from destroying everything. Please, you have to believe me. And Gunmajin will do no such thing. Yeah. Now what he, uh, Bull don't, so now everybody's there. Like Bull don't's there, Bomb of the Great is there, Barra Police is there, like everybody's there. 
And Bulldone does say, destroy O-Ranger. But, like, I don't think Gunmagin really hears him. Um, so, like, they... Uh, Barra Police goes giant. He starts fighting. So now it's sort of like a three-way fight between Barra Police and uh, O-Blocker and Gunmagin. They're, like, shooting energy bolts, and Barra Police has his gun. And, like, uh, I think Barra Police uses giant cuffs on O-Blocker. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, it's real neat. And during all of this, they inadvertently blast a tree, and it falls on Satoru. Right. And he's Killing not, him like, instantly, like, cru- of course. Yeah, like, it doesn't, like, crush his head or anything. He's, like, he's trapped under this very small tree. He, I mean, it's fine. not that small of a tree. If this were not a television show, this child would never walk properly again. Like, it is a bad scene. Um, so anyways... I mean, it is a television show, which just means that, like, he is immobile for one minute, and he will be completely fine after this. So, Sadaru looks up at Gunmagin, and basically says, like, Gunmagin, I love you, but you have got to get some chill. Like, you have got, like, just chill out, dude. Like, you've got to stop doing this. This is ridiculous. What he says specifically is, Gunmagin, I love you, but when you don't know the difference between right and wrong, I hate you. Ah, thank you. Thank you for getting that down. And so... Now Gunmagin finally gets it. He's like, oh, maybe maybe I took the wrong risk. So he like reaches down and he saves Sadaru. Oh, this is where Bara Police gets the cuffs on. Bara Police gets the cuffs on O-Blocker. So once uh, Bara Police gets the cuffs onto O-Blocker, uh, Bulldog is like, oh man, Bara Police is going to kill O-Blocker, but that's not what I want. I'm going to kill O-Blocker. Yeah, hey, he does. Gun he kind of screws himself here. Yeah, so what he says is like, Gun Machine, you, like, stop Bear Police and you kill O-Blocker. And then Gun Machine says, hold on a second. Uh, whoa, whoa, that whoa, is whoa, not whoa. what I signed up for. Whoa, 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 buddy. Hey there, little pal. Uh, I said you could write in it, not that I would destroy it for you. So this is when, like, now Gun Machine's like, it's game over. Uh, because Gun because Bulldog doesn't know the rules. Right. right? No, no one knows the rules. The rules are unknowable. Well, to okay, be fair. but like, we do know a couple of the rules. Um, so Bulldog, Grand Mansion's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm not destroying O-Blocker. You said you wanted to ride it. It was a very different thing. And Bulldog is like, yeah, well, I'm the master and I've got the key and I say you have to do it. Right. And, and, you, and like, you said that you would do it already, so you've got right. to do it. And uh, <laughs> Gun Imagine's like, nope, nope, not going to do that. Nope. Now that I know that you are lying, I am like freed from my bonds to fulfill your wish. Oh, uh, that's right. And that is also, the thing. Like, you tricked me. And so now I don't have to do it. That's right. Like you, you broke the unspoken the contract. That, no, that only I knew about. Uh, so he, so once that happens, Gun Magin turns to O-Block, and he's like, ah, oh, uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> sorry there, sorry there, guy. Uh, and he, like, cuts the cuffs off, and he says, I'll kill Barra Police to make it up to you. Like, yeah. what if I what if I kill this other sentient being? Would that make you feel better? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the answer is yes. Yeah, t- I mean, he's a very, 
bad robot. So and what what I like is that up to this point we have seen because uh, every time Gun Machine does a special technique, it is one of his like sword techniques. So we've seen his first, second, and third sword techniques. But when he goes to attack Barra Police here, he skips the fourth one and goes straight to the fifth one, which I love. He's just like, okay, now it is time to turn it up a gear. And yeah. the fifth sword technique is like. It's kind of like the one we saw earlier where the... It's like a combo technique, kind of. It's yeah. It's like, there's like, it goes into slow-mo and then like it all gets dark and then he do, he like picks them up with like lightning telekinesis and then does like a super blast. Yeah. And that, that's pretty much is, is it. Now what's weird, what I thought it was weird is that they didn't just have Gunmagin finish off Parapolis. Like, well, they did feel the need to get O-Blocker in there somehow. Well, because uh, Bar Police gets free. Bar Police manages to, like, shoot Gun Magin to, like, knock himself out of the telekinesis electricity field. Oh, that's right. And then when he does that, that's when they do the Twin Blocker Blast. Uh, I think... Twin Block and Crash, Dave. Oh, sorry. Twin Block and Crash. Uh, Twin Block and Crash is my favorite giant sword finisher, I think, since Dyrono. It is extremely good because that sword gets so long. Yeah, it's super great. Um, So once this is all done, so like Bar Police is dead. Great. And uh, Gunmagin punishes Bulldown with the only punishment that he knows, which is to pick you up and put you in a tree. Which right. is the same thing he did to the bullies last episode, the first time he showed up. I mean, if, okay, that is a little silly, but on the other hand, an impossibly powerful, like, giant robot, I am glad that he does not get more creative with his punishments. Okay, yeah, that's a good, <laughs> like, that's it a is, good point. It is a good thing God. that he limits himself to, like, treeing people. So, he does, he does that thing, and uh, the key, like, just... It just disappears? Yeah, like, he reclaims the key to himself. Yeah, so it disappears, and Gunmanjin shrinks down to his sort of football sort of size, and then he flies away into the sky, announcing his own name. And And I don't know if we are ever going to see him again. Yeah, I don't, like, I really thought we were setting up for Gunmagin to be a thing, and this seems fairly final, that he's just gone now, which is, uh, like, I just don't know how to handle it. Like, I was really setting up for, like, Gunmagin to eventually, like, combine with the other robots or something, and dude just dips. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) um, And all the rangers are also kind of confused, and Uh. then they see... Okay, Sotaru. Dave, I, I am looking it up. We will see Gunmajin again. Okay, yeah, thank you. That It just seemed too weird that we wouldn't. So um, so the rangers see Sadaru, and they're looking into the sun. He's looking into the sunset, and he just says, well, I do love Gunmajin, but this is probably for the best, which, yeah, little but Yeah, buddy, it's definitely for the best. This is definitely the best option, that is Gunmajin is not around. Yeah, like, he is... Uh, he is a terror. Like, he does not mean to be, but he is the wrong thing to have around anytime. Uh, yeah, and then, so they're like, and then they're talking to Sadaru and they say, listen, it's great to have dreams. Like, dreams are wonderful. But what you, you should have proper dreams. Like, you should have good, proper dreams that follow the rules, which is so Japanese, I sort of can't handle it. Um, yeah, oh, but like, like it's what just is so, nice. Like, have dreams, 
but like proper socially acceptable dreams appropriate dreams but what is nice is that like from earlier in the episode we or earlier from last episode rather we know that one of his dreams is just like to chill with the o-rangers and all the o-rangers like stay and hang out with him and like He's, like, playing yeah. with them and doing cartwheels, and, like, that is how the episode ends. Yeah, Yuji's very proud of his little kid flips, and that is great. So, um, so that's it for the episode, Matt. Uh, yeah, well, it's it for the episode, but it's not quite it for our episode, Dave, because now we need to determine where Barra Police fares in the uh, Creature Royale. Yeah, um, so I'm kind of torn on this dude because... He's got a very cool look, and he's got a very cool special attack, and that he throws giant handcuffs at you, and I like that quite a bit. But aside from that, he like he's basically a non-entity. You know what I mean? Like he's not actually doing anything. Well, he doesn't really do anything this episode. But remember, last episode he like replaced the actual chief of police and was causing like police riots in the city. Oh, oh yeah, that is true. And he is very like he was very good in a fight, so that was neat. So he's not nothing. Like, you know, there is something going on there. Where do you think that he lines up against the other police monster uh, from Kaku Ranger, whose name was... Uh, Azukirai. Azukirai. I think, he, I think that he looks cooler than Azukirai. He definitely looks cooler than Azukirai. Uh, he does not have, like, a crazy secret passage dungeon. Well, that is true. And that's going to so, hurt him in the rankings. That's going to hurt him a lot, not having a secret passage dungeon. Uh, but they do both impersonate chief of police. I don't know. Actually, I think it would be... It seems kind of washy to me. I feel like Azukirai had a lot more character. He's mm-hmm. got a secret trap dungeon. They both imitate police officers, so that's kind of... That's, you know, they're they're keyed up on that point. Um, but then Bar Police looks a lot cooler and is a lot tougher. So... Man. Okay, well, what's what's a, a directly above and below Azuki or I? Above, we have um, the vacuum dimension who stole the love from people. Yeah, uh, and then like a, a, an evil vacuum that sucked out people's emotions. That is cooler than Bara Police. Yeah, and then uh, below that is Bara Boxer. Bara Boxer, I... which Dave, who is Bara Boxer? Bara Boxer is a very large robot boxer. And he's cool, and he has giant spiky gloves. He has and that giant is his spiky thing. gloves, and he's cool. Man, uh, Bar Police has to go above it, because I do not remember who Bar Boxer is. Yeah, so I would say... Are, is Azuki Rai and Bar Boxer going to be the rare... A rare tied-up slot? Um... Man, no, okay, let's say that Izuki Rai is better than Bara Police, because Izuki Rai also had, like, there was a lot of stuff going on with him. Like, he had his own posse. Uh, oh, he did. Yeah, okay, no, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Izuki Rai is better. Yeah. It, it's close. But I, I, I feel pretty good about that. So that means that Bara Police goes into the list at our new number 106. Yes, he does. Okay. And then that, Dave, at long last, is going to do it for this episode of uh, For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersuntarbrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on the future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. Uh, if you want to get depressed by something on Twitter, 
Uh, Dave has a, a fun new project that we mentioned earlier in the show. Dave, uh, what, oh, yeah. what was that called again? Oh, yeah. It is called uh, Also Sprock Ziggy, A-L-S-O-S-P-A-R-C-H-Z-I-G-G-Y. And uh, I'll just leave you with the most recent tweet from that, from that handle, which is as follows. This is from the December the 4th cartoon from 1972. He attempts the flight of Icarus. He will fare no better. Perhaps he knows this and is willing to embrace death in exchange for one sweet moment of freedom and glory. Lacking the genius of Daedalus, it is likely that he will simply die. Ziggy, man. Uh, okay. Uh, with that, uh, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.